Hey, welcome in. Cube Show Podcast, a college football podcast that comes to you on Sundays. I am in Washington, D.C. I've got XFL playoff game today between Seattle and D.C., so doing another one from the hotel room. And obviously, it's been a big week in college football. There's been some massive news in college football. We're coming off last week of reviewing some spring games. And with most of the news kind of following up one of those teams whose spring game we reviewed, I figured we would just roll that right into our spring preview today since there is just so much happening with Alabama and so many people talking about Alabama, what's going on with that quarterback situation, where is everything else, two new coordinators. So we're going to break down the Crimson Tide a little bit later today. We'll get to a couple of kids that have entered the transfer portal, a couple that are potentially coming out and obviously some that have landed at SEC schools. and. Alabama going to take up a lot of time because there's a lot to get into. And I think there are a lot of particulars there that we need to spend some time on. And, you know, each and every Sunday we're going to come to you with college football information because we believe that Sundays there's just not enough college football content. So we like to deliver it to you and we like to get it out. But there's always going to be other things that are happening. Um, Auburn loses Dylan Brooks, an edge rusher, into the portal. Uh, one of the highest rated prospects that Brian Harson and his staff brought in. So I guess you can see why the fit wasn't really going to be there. Um, you haven't had really detrimental losses from Hugh Freeze's staff since the spring game ended. I think the ones that you have had would have been somewhat expected. Uh, there are a couple other guys to keep an eye on. Uh, there are a few receivers that have entered the portal to keep an eye on. Casey Thompson, quarterback out of Nebraska. Texas has entered the NCAA transfer portal. He's going to take a visit to Auburn. I would keep an eye on him. And I would say that even though that portal is ending today, graduate transfers still have some other options and things can change that way. So don't necessarily count out a couple of guys that have graduated or could graduate very soon that could potentially still be in the mix there at Auburn or at a few other places. And as of now, and here we are at uh, 10 o'clock on Sunday morning in Washington, D.C., so that's Eastern Standard Time. Uh, no Alabama quarterbacks have entered the NCAA transfer portal. Now, as far as how things are filed, some of that can take a little bit longer. So if that takes place, obviously that's something that we'll talk about next week. But all signs point to this roster maintaining everybody and having all those quarterbacks on staff. We'll get into it when we talk Alabama. But the transfer portal has been busy. Uh, there's going to be more commitments. There are going to be more guys going in throughout the course of the day, and we'll keep you updated on those throughout each and every show. We're brought to you by Wickles Pickles, wickedly delicious. If you don't have those in your local grocery store, just go to the website. You can grab those there. They'll drop ship them to you. And if you haven't tried them and they are in your local grocery store, you got to get them. A lot of different recipes they've got up there on their Instagram as well, at Wickles Pickles, wickedly delicious. We love them. Don't have the jar here in D.C., but we usually do. So, of course, we want you to go check those out. NFL draft over the weekend. I just want to spend a couple of seconds on the draft and everything that went in it from an SEC perspective. Uh, the SEC, once again, most players drafted. This is the 17th straight year that the SEC has had the most players or been tied for the most players drafted. 62 players come off the board from the SEC this year. It's, just, it's ridiculous again. Um, 22 of the top 70 players taken were from the Southeastern Conference. Um, they've been tied for the most first-rounders or had the most first-rounders for the last eight years. That happened again this year for the Southeastern Conference. It has just been completely insane. Um, this draft's a little bit different. If you think about, if you go back and look at it, the first round, every single player was drafted from a Power 5 school, and only four players 
in the first round were transfers. I don't think we're ever going to see those numbers again. Uh, now, if you went by the way the Power Five is structured now, you'd have to go back to 2001. That was the only other year that has happened from a Power Five perspective. But as far as all the schools being Power Five schools, it's actually never happened before. So I don't know if we'll see that. And I also don't know if we'll see – now, some people would say I think we'll see that again because of uh, NIL and the big schools being able to get more guys – but there's still so much movement and it's so fluid. I, I just think that's going to be hard to happen still. And there's always those diamonds in a rough that you go out and go find and that people are going to take flyers on. But the, only the four transfers is the part I don't think we're going to see anymore. I mean, to, to only have four guys in the first round that have transferred, uh, I think that's a low number and it's probably going to continue to rise. Um, it was a great draft for schools inside of the SEC, particularly Alabama and Georgia. Massive draft for Georgia and I guess Georgia North, which is now the Philadelphia Eagles, because they just continue taking Georgia players off the board. That front seven for the Eagles is going to be completely insane with with Jalen Carter, probably the best defensive prospect. If you're talking about talent and ceiling and ability falling right in their lap. So Kirby Smart now has the most first round picks by any Georgia coach in history. He passes Mark Richt in this draft. That's 15 first-rounders for Kirby Smart. It's unbelievable what he's done and the amount of talent that he's been pushing into the draft. 25 picks over the last two years for Kirby Smart. That's the most ever in a two-year span from any school. So draft history happening for Kirby Smart. Also, Kirby's had 19 defensive players drafted the last three years. That's stupid. And that's not the only defensive number that's stupid in this draft. If you go back to Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, and you go since 2017, defensive players that have been taken in the first round, 10 for Kirby, 9 for Nick Saban. Now, don't push Nick Saban to the side in all of this because he finally gets his number one overall pick. That's sort of seemed like the one thing that had been hanging out there that he hadn't accomplished as a head coach at Alabama. He gets that now. Nick Saban has had 48 first-round draft picks since he's been a head coach. 43 of those have come from Alabama. Keep in mind, the next closest head coach would be Joe Paterno with 33. How stupid is that? Think about that. Ten more than Joe Paterno just at one school, and that's the most all-time. Now, it's not the most ridiculous Alabama number that came out of this draft, uh, they've had 61 top 50 players drafted since 2009. 61. The next closest to that, as far as players drafted in the top 50 over that spans Ohio State with 31. So Alabama has essentially doubled the output of Ohio State in top 50 picks since Saban has joined Alabama as their head coach. And Alabama has also had uh, a first round. Uh, they've had a player taken in the top 50. Uh, each year since 2010, and their first round streak is now at 15 years, which is just completely stupid. So Alabama, Georgia dominate the draft. SEC dominates the draft. And just a couple of numbers there that came out of it that I found that were completely stupid and just shows you the dominance of recruiting and how those guys are producing players and how they're developing players and how they're pushing guys into the NFL draft. And that's why they're winning championships. Of course, they have the best talent and they're able to find a way to get it dialed into what they want to do schematically. Schematically going to be a big portion of the conversation as we're talking about Alabama and where they're headed. And we'll review the Crimson Tide. This is cool because we just got a chance to see some of their younger guys coming off the field in their spring game. So we've got a little bit of a chance to look at some of these guys, kind of see what they're about, see what they're going to be able to do, and kind of give you an idea of just what we think about maybe what they're going to be as prospects, 
what they're going to be as far as helping Alabama this year because the, the younger guys that are coming in, that's really the only chance that we've had to see them and the only chance that we've been able to take a look at what they're going to be able to do and how they're going to be able to perform. Now, the big news surrounding Alabama obviously has been Tyler Buckner, Notre Dame transfer who's going to come in at quarterback. Um, there's been a lot of back and forth on just what Tyler Buckner is. Is he a guy who can really help? Is he a good college quarterback? Is he a bad college quarterback? Is he talented? What are the strengths of his game? And I've gone back and I've watched every snap that he's played. Um, I've watched every snap that he's taken, not just every throw that he's made. And I think there are some positives inside of his game. And I'll clarify this right out of the gate. If I had to put my money on it right now, I'd still say Ty Simpson ends up being Alabama's starter. Do I think you'll see two quarterbacks against Middle Tennessee? I do. Against Texas? Maybe not. Probably not in game two. I, I, that, that will probably be settled. But we've seen Nick Saban, if you go back to Phillip Sims, A.J. McCarron, or if you go back to Jake Coker and a couple of the other guys that were kind of sharing time then, we, we've seen Coach Saban do this before, and he's had the luxury of having a couple of NFL starters the last few times around and hasn't necessarily had to do this. So – uh, th- that quarterback battle is going to continue through the fall and probably at least into the first game of the season, in my opinion. Does Tyler Buckner have starting quarterback ability? Yeah, I think he does. I mean, we've seen him do it at Notre Dame. And obviously, the understanding, the relationship with Tommy Reese is going to help. Keep in mind, I've tried to explain this multiple times. When you come into Alabama, you run Nick Saban's system. This is not just, oh, Tommy Reese and Tyler Buckner are going to be running the same stuff that they're running at Notre Dame. Actually, it's going to be more difficult for Tyler Buckner here coming in because he's got to learn the terminology that Alabama's been using. I mean, Bill O'Brien's gone through this with me. Lane Kiffin's gone through this with me. Sark's gone through this with me. I've met with these guys and talked to them about it, and they will tell you. I mean, extensively, Bill O'Brien was very open about it. Like, I had to come in and learn this system. But he even said, I thought it was good for me, and it was one of the challenges that Tommy Reese wanted as well, to be able to come in, learn this offense, learn it a little bit of a different way. Now, he calls it his way, but it's – it's Nick Saban's offense, and that's what they're going to run. And I did think you saw in that spring game that Tommy Reese is not going to be three yards in a cloud of dust. He's not going to be three and four tight ends on the field the entire time. He hasn't had this chest of toys to be able to play with. Now he, he's got some new toys. Like he's he stepped it up from like the Nintendo to the PlayStation. Like he's gone from PlayStation 1 to PlayStation 3. He's got new technology. He's got new cool stuff that requires new batteries and going to have new instruction manuals. Like he's got things now that he's going to be able to tinker with that he's never had the opportunity to utilize before. So his offense is not going to be this old school grinded out offense that a lot of people think. I do think it'll be more balanced. And I think you'll get some of that. But the Tyler Buckner, Tommy Reese thing is, is very interesting because it's not just, oh, these two have been together. So Tyler Buckner knows everything. Matter of fact, he'll, He'll know a lot less than the guys that are on that team right now. A lot less. Now, how they operate, what they expect of each other, when to check things, that's going to help Tyler Buckner a little bit. As far as his game, I do think he has good mobility. Better mobility than people give him credit for. And I think he's got a pretty good build. So if he's some of the inside runs, if you want, from a quarterback perspective, he can offer you some of that. But you say durability, yet he's been banged up. He's been nicked up. So I, I don't know if you want him kind of doing that stuff. He's got a good arm. He can make throws. And the interceptions have been something that's brought up. I mean, it's, and it should be. Three touchdowns, five interceptions one year, three and three the next year. Kid turns it over too much. Some of it, though, with him. Like, there are guys whose turnover issues are just not going to be able to manage. They just don't see things correctly or they just inherently take risks that they shouldn't have. 
and decide that they're going to try to make plays that aren't there and you just can't do anything. With Tyler Buckner, I think that there's some that can be erased. I think you can overcome a little bit of that. When I watch him operate, when I watch his game, a lot of his interceptions come when he's taking a hit, about to take a hit. So if there can be an understanding as he grows and develops of this is when the ball needs to get out. This is when I don't try to survive this play and continue to make something happen. This is where we just take it and go live and fight for another day. If he can kind of take that step and progress there, he's got game. I think this is about competition, though. And as of right now, the way it sounds to me, these other quarterbacks are going to stick around. I think Ty Simpson understands my understanding. And based on the information that I have, Ty Simpson knows he needs to develop a little bit more. But I think Ty Simpson can operate the offense as well as any of them. And I think he can make every throw. He's also got the upside. So I don't expect him. And, and let's, Dylan Lonergan looked good in the spring game. Eli Holstein, those guys aren't going to compete for the job this year. So they're there. Good. Great. They're not going to compete. Five scholarship quarterbacks is a lot, though. And it's going to be interesting to see. The, the big concern for me there is the reps. Where do the reps go? Do you just take Lonergan and Holstein and say, you're a scout team? Like, get out. Now you have three that are going to battle. Three reps equally for a quarterback is very difficult going into a season. Now, in the summer, it's not as bad because you have more time in which you can wait and utilize and do different things. Guys are going to get their throws in. Once practice begins, three is tough, man. It's really tough. Um, and I said it all last year. I'll say it again this year. There could be a package for Jalen Milrow that will help Alabama. If Jalen Milrow stays on this offense, stays on this roster, he will help Alabama. That could be five plays a game. It could be 15 plays a game. It could be 90% runs. It could be 60% runs. But he has the ability he, with his elite speed, and he's got good power when he runs the football as well, to be dynamic. He can provide explosive plays. It's just going to be a matter of how does he intertwine with things if he's not necessarily going to be the starting quarterback. But I know he's alluded to people that he wants to be there, be a part of the program. So we'll see how it plays out. And there's still time, from, like I said, from a graduate perspective where some of these things can change. But it obviously didn't make a lot of people happy what they saw from the quarterbacks being Coach Saban and Tommy Reese in the spring because they've been investigating this. Um, the stuff down with, with Tyler Van Dyke was real. You know, that was investigated and discussed. You know, there were a couple of other quarterbacks that were investigated and discussed. But this is kind of where, where they are. And this is where things happen. You know, it's, it, you don't just go out and, and tank for a five-star the next year. And from the portal perspective, you can only take who's there and who's available. So some guys that were even talked about never really became available. So with these guys on the roster, what are they going to be capable of? I still think the offense can be pretty good. I think it can be really good. Um, there have been Nick Saban-led offenses in the past that didn't necessarily have to be quarterback-driven. It's just the last few that we've seen have been. Here's the good news. I think when you look at Alabama across the board, and this is going to be applicable at a lot of positions, I think that depth is going to be big for this football team this year. I think that different positions collectively are going to be able to help this team find ways to win. You look at wide receiver. We'll start there. So who helps the quarterbacks the most? Obviously, the offensive line. We're going to get to that. But wide receivers are catching the ball. Um, I think that Malik Benson is a dude. I, straight up. I think he can be a number one receiver in the SEC. He's going to be drafted early. Like he is that guy. Uh, he can make contested catches. He can make catches in traffic. He can run the route tree. He is that guy. He's given them fits in spring. And even the defensive coaches would tell you that he's that dude. 
Um, I think that you look at an Isaiah Bond who can be your speed guy and help take the top off. Now, consistency catching the football, not quite there, but that can continue to come. And some of these numbers with the issues that some guys have is going to dwindle down because some are going to fix the re- issues that they have and some are not, and then they're going to separate. You got Jermaine Burton, who's super solid. Um, you know, he's not he's not dynamic. He's not an explosive play waiting to happen, but he can run the route tree. He's pretty physical. He's durable. Um, you know, when he does catch the football, he can make things happen after the play, even though it's not going to be an 80-yard touchdown run. He just has to continue to find ways to get on the same page with his teammates as far as what route to run, when, when to break it off. Details are the issue. The only issue really with Jermaine Burt. If he can continue to hone into those details and continue to refine those, he can be somebody that does even more for Alabama this year than he did a year ago. Uh, Kobe Prentice, Kendrick Law, guys that could potentially separate, do more, and find more reps and find more targets throughout the course of the season for Alabama. Uh, also, I would say watch Jalen Hale, freshman from Texas. He's a guy that that has a chance. We're going to talk about some of these youngsters as – I mean, there's a couple that I'm going to be pretty confident in kind of plugging them in. A couple of them just have a chance. Uh, Jalen Hale's a youngster that has a chance to help this football team this year. So you have numbers there. I mean, you, you've got you got seven, eight receivers that legitimately can go out and potentially help this Alabama football team. Ja'Cory Brooks, another name that could potentially help Alabama. So they might not have an Amari Cooper or a Julio Jones, but I do think, and Malik Benson, I don't think is going to be really far off that. I'm not putting him on that level yet, but I don't think he's going to be too far off of it. But I think collectively you've got enough to be able to move your pieces around, line them up in different places, find favorable matchups depending on the opponent, and things are going to be fine. Go a running back situation. It's the exact same thing. Like I think Chase McClellan's the guy first. I think he's going to be the first running back that gets the most of the work. I do think Justice Haynes works his way into that next. But there are other backs that this team likes. We've seen Roydale Williams have success. And Jam Miller – is a young man that I know a lot of these coaches are really high on. I think he's someone who can help this football team this year. So once again, it might not be a feature back as far as early, you know, Trent Richardson uh, or Mark Ingram uh, when when they kind of subsided and took the majority of the work, or Derrick Henry when he took all the work seemingly. But I think you have enough collectively where the running back position is going to be fine. I think it'd be pretty damn good, by the way. So that's not a real concern either. If the offensive line has really taken the steps, and in the spring game it looked pretty good. It, lo- it looked pretty good. And everybody who I talk to that has an idea what's happening through this team in the spring will tell you it has gotten better. The attitude is different. J.C. Latham is a guy that that staff is really high on, thinks he could be the best offensive lineman in the SEC next year, has that chance. But you know you're good at one guard with Tyler Booker. Like I've, I've explained to everyone what a war daddy he is, the potential he has, and what he's probably going to turn into. So you, you're fine there with two spots. Center – it's taking care of itself. You got two that have started. Darian Dalcourt, Seth McLaughlin have both played and both played well. To have that center depth is going to be key because now you don't have to. If you lose one, okay, now we got to move a guard over. Okay, does the guard tackle come down to guard? Do we kick the other guard out of the guy? Whatever. Like you don't have to move all the pieces around because you know you have two centers who can play no matter what. And I said it on the podcast last week. I'll say it again this week. Caden Proctor will help Alabama this year. And the more I think about it and the more I look at it, the more people I talk to about it, it sounds like a starting role might be closer to the beginning of the season than how I alluded to last week, whereas I just said he's going to help somehow, some way. Young man's got a chance to go in there and start right away. I'm not plugging him in against Middle Tennessee because I think they probably like to work him in a little bit more, and I think there's still potential to slide into guard. And some of that probably depends on what happens with Elijah Pritchett and a couple of others that are potentially going to play tackle or help at tackle. Try to find a swing tackle, too, that could potentially help you both ways. 
Um, but I do think Wilkin Fomby is a young guy down the road that's going to add some depth. I told you last week uh, that I really liked what I saw from Olaf Linen. I think he did some nice things in the spring game. And I know for a fact he's had really good reps throughout the course of the spring. So that young group has really pushed, and I think they've elevated their level. they got good leadership there. And if that group comes along, as well as what they're going to be at next to them at tight end, then you're going to be good. You're going to be fine. Because C.J. Dippery has he's, – he's got that nasty in him. Like that dude will get after you. you. We mentioned it when he transferred in. We talked about it a little bit last week. Athletically, he can hang with most tight ends in the league. No, he's not the super athlete flex guy. But for somebody who you're going to use both ways, he's got plenty of athleticism. He makes catches. He can run after the catch. He's physical. Technically and fundamentally, he can get better in the blocking game because he gives you the idea. He gives you the attitude. He gives you the demeanor and the effort. So he will potentially help that group a lot at tight end. And then you have Robbie Oots, who can be sort of your hard hat guy. He can be your MF or a tight end that comes in and essentially adds an extra offensive lineman. Like he can give you a little more grit if that's the direction that you want to go. And then you've got Amari Nyblack, who can be your flex guy. Uh, there's not many safeties and, and, and linebackers that can run with Nyblack in this league. So Tommy Reese is going to have so many different pieces, formations, motions, matchups, shifts. He's going to be able to move guys around, line up guys in different places. I mean, some of the backs that we mentioned, you're fine motioning those guys out. A couple of the tight ends, fine motioning those guys out. Four or five receivers, you have the numbers to be able to do that. Two back, you have the backs to be able to do that, which is a formation that I love that a lot of coaches are going back to and Tommy Reese has used a little bit of in his past. I just think the variety that you're going to be able to get on offense, the personnel that you're going to be able to utilize on offense, and how all that's going to play into it is going to make the quarterback's life much easier than people believe, no matter who it is. Do you still need good quarterback play? Hell yes, you do. I hear all these people saying they want a national title with Coker. They want a national title with McElroy. You know what? Those dudes played damn good quarterback when they were in the game, regardless of who else was around them. You still have to have a guy that can operate the offense in a successful manner, in a consistent manner, and minimize the mistakes. So that's that's all part of it. And then imagine if it's, let's just say we go in here and it's Ty Simpson and Ty Simpson wins the job. Or if, even if Tyler Buckner wins the job, Buckner gives you a little more mobility. So now you can draw in some of those quarterback runs. What if it's Ty Simpson? Buckner's not going to give you all of them. And you probably want to protect him since he's been dinged up before. If it's one of those two guys and Jalen Miller's on the roster, now you have another explosive weapon that you're going to be able to bring in, force defenses to prepare for, have to defend it a different way. They can give you explosive plays. And then I do think that there are other guys that are sort of their reach guys that are maybe guys like an Emmanuel Henderson at wide receiver, 24. He's a guy that can take the top off. Now, you know, he played, he basically was a lower classification high school football player who got the ball all the time and could run fast. So Jim Bob Stripling, his high school coach, worked a lot with him to actually be ready to play receiver, which I think he can do and will do. It's just from a football player perspective, is he ready to do all the things he's going to need to to be a 40, 50 snap a game guy? Probably not. But if you can get him going on a couple jet sweeps and force defenses to defend that, you can get him on a couple go balls and then just try to throw it out of the field and, and make the defenses cover it and keep those safeties at bay, that adds value to your offense. And that's kind of my point with all of this is what Tommy Reese is going to have is a ton of different guys that can add value to your offense. It's not going to be one guy at receiver or one guy at running back or a tight end 
or just an offensive line, they're going to have multiple ways to add value to this offense. So I, I'm just not as down on it as a lot of people. And listen, I understand Tyler Buckner coming in. I, I, nobody's saying that he's Tua. Nobody's saying he's going to come in and, and win the Heisman Trophy. But he might not have to for this offense to be pretty successful based on his skill set and all those things that are going to be there and be around it. So that's kind of the Bama offense going into this season. As far as the defense goes, Kevin Steele takes over. There's so much familiarity there. Nick Saban didn't want to train somebody else. He didn't want to bring him in and have to start that whole thing over. So now he knows exactly what to expect from Kevin. Kevin knows exactly what to expect from him. Two things we didn't see in the spring game, right out of the gate. Dallas Turner didn't get to see their elite edge rusher and a guy who we know can get it off the edge or Chris Braswell. I like the fact that you have two different guys off the edge. They're both good pass rushers, but Braswell is more in the Courtney Upshaw mold where Dallas Turner is more in the Tim Williams mold. So you want super twitch, bend, flexibility, get off? You got Dallas Turner off one edge. You want a little more thump on the other side? Uh, you know, a little more MFR, a little more power? Well, you got Chris Braswell on the other side. And I said it last week, Keno Cott, Quindarius Robinson, we saw them in the spring game. I think they can add a little off the edge. I would say they'll be more third down package guys than every down players. But the edge looks pretty good from a depth perspective on third down. Um, it looks fine with the first two on every down. You'll probably see more four down with this and what Kevin Steele's been doing. But keep in mind, Kevin Steele has gotten more and more creative the last couple of years. So don't be surprised. And they did this a little bit, just a little bit last year. We talked to Pete Golding about it, where he had three of those guys in the field, Will Anderson, Braswell, and Turner, got on the field at the same time. We kind of previewed it in the Vanderbilt game, and you didn't get it until I think the next week against Texas, that cheetah package. So Kevin Steele is going to do different things like that. Remember his Burrow defense, whatever it was, like one down lineman and all that other stuff. Like he's going to have guys to be able to make some max up front as well. The difference will be, and listen, some of the Georgia media got mad at this. First and foremost, we, I, I want to say this too. I forgot to mention this off the top. We appreciate you using our clips in, in your podcast. I'm, I'm always flattered when people use our content to make their content because their content is not enough standing on its own. So thank you for that. We appreciate it. We would just love it if you would mention Cube Show as the name of the podcast and that you can get it on YouTube at Cube Show 61. Please subscribe. We're getting I think we're getting close to 2,000 subscribers, which is like a massive number. We only have like 750,000 go to catch Josh Pate, but we're working on it and we're trying. We're going to sit here and grind and try to get it for you every Sunday. Or say at Cube Show on Twitter, at Cube Show on Instagram. Please go follow us there. We always appreciate that. So if you're going to rip our shit and use it for yourself, all we ask is just say where you can get it and what the freaking name of the podcast is. We would greatly appreciate that. And we are always here to help provide content for you who have trouble making it on your own. Every Sunday, we're going to do it for you. Back to the Alabama defense. Um, you look inside, this is where the difference is going to be. We talked about this with Georgia. When we measure Georgia, it's the Georgia standard. When we measure Bama, it's the Bama standard, okay? Byron Young, even though he just got drafted, did not play at the Bama standard that we have been expecting, okay? Neither has Tim Smith up to this point. Neither has Justin Aboigby up to this point. But I think Smith and Aboigby are going to help. And I think Jaheim Otis has a chance to be one of those guys. And I'm talking Sean Robinson. I'm talking Jaron Reed. I'm talking Terrence Cody. I'm talking Jonathan Allen. I'm talking Quinnen Williams. Those are the dudes. Those are the guys that nobody can handle. Does Alabama have a guy nobody can handle right now? Like I said, Otis, I think, is close to that guy and the closest to some of the other ones that we've seen. And I think he can be a disruptor. Now, elusiveness and quickness is not necessarily going to be his thing. But you can design some other things. And Kevin still will know how to use him. 
But they got to get a couple other guys coming on. I mean, honestly, depth, like we talked about with some spots on offense, and this it's good on a few spots on defense. They got to get another guy or two coming along that defensive line. So if it's Jameel Burroughs, if it's Damon Payne, there's got to be a guy or two because that you have to be rotational on the defensive line these days. And, yeah, the new clock rules are going to be great. It's going to help the defenses a little bit out. You'll play a couple fewer snaps a game. Wonderful. People, you don't think Tennessee going to go fast? They're going to go fast. Auburn's going to go fast at times. Ole Miss is going to go fast at times. So you still have to be ready for it. Hell, LSU is going to go fast this year, and they got everybody back. So they understand that that's going to put you in a bind. That's going to wear you down. And this is a defensive line that my biggest fear for would be wearing down in games and late in the year. You don't think Sark's going to hit the gas early on in that game? Try to wear that defensive front down because he knows the numbers might not be where they need it to. So that's a spot that I want to see continue to come on for this Alabama front. Off the ball linebacker, also a little bit different because we didn't get Deontay Lawson in the spring game. And I'm going to tell you, I watched Deontay Lawson a couple. I'm watching film with Alabama last year. We get late in games and all. It's like you always kind of want to see some of the younger kids. And here comes 32. Boom! And like 32. Bah! And I'm just like, who in the hell is this kid? So I remember talking to Pete Golding about him last year. I'm like, what is the deal with this Deontay Lawson kid? He's like, just give him some time. Just wait. He is going to be a star. And Alabama has needed that kind of presence in the middle of the defense. Toa Toa was great. Toa Toa was the brains of the operation. They had to have that kind of a guy, but physically not capable of doing what Deontay Lawson's capable of doing. He's more in the C.J. Mosley, Reuben Foster mold physically of what he's going to be able to do, and that's going to be of great benefit for this team. I also think the other one – is going to be Jihad Campbell. I think he's going to be your other off-the-ball linebacker. I'll look for those two to get most of the reps there, and then you kind of fill the pieces in after that. Like I said, some of the guys that are going to be up on the ball rushing the passer are going to be able to help, and then Trez Marshall is also going to be someone off the ball that helps you. Knows the defense, can be the brains of the operation physically, probably a little more limited than what Campbell and Lawson are going to be, but he can be a good rotational guy. If he has to start, I think he can be fine. He's just not quite as tweaked up and jacked up as those guys are as you're talking about being twitchy and being able to fly around and get to the football. A little, little, a small step back, but still somebody who can be solid inside that defense. So you have pretty good numbers off the ball, pretty good numbers up on the edge. It's just the interior that we want to see a few more guys come along. On the back end of the defense, I think Earl Little will be your star. I would look for him there. I think your safeties will end up being Caleb Downs and Malachi Moore. We saw Malachi do a lot in the spring game. I mean, they were blitzing him, lining him up in the box, lining him up way off the ball, a lot of different things. My understanding for Malachi is, one, he's healthy. And it hasn't been – it's been a while since he's just been good physically. Two, the leadership has skyrocketed. And a lot of times that happens when Hellums and Battle and those guys leave, the next guy says – my turn to kind of be that dude. Like you, it's hard to be the dude when there's alphas in front of you or around you that have been the dude longer than you have. And that was just the reality of it. But my understanding is he has sort of taken that to the next level and accepted that part of his game. And he is going, I think he's going to have a big year. And I think, I think Alabama at safety is going to be fine. I know the guys just got drafted and they're gone, but let's also keep in mind, those guys didn't all come off in the first 20 picks. Okay. So that I think physically, this Caleb Downs kid, whether you talk to I mean, anybody on that defensive staff, he's a real deal. He's ready. And the thing that sticks out, two things stick out to me about Caleb Downs. One, physically what he did in that spring game. You can say, oh, interception on a Hail Mary, whatever. He's flying up to make tackles in the backfield, out on the perimeter, which is incredible. Two, 
the one thing that I hear about him more than his speed, more than his physicality, more than his quickness, more than his instincts is his football intelligence. That is going to keep him on the field and that's going to get him on the field faster. So those are going to be your safeties in this defense. And then Kool-Aid McKinstry's had a big spring. I think Kool-Aid is going to have a bigger year than people expect and anticipate because I don't think people understand. And I don't know if it's the name or the NIL or you know the flirting with basketball, whatever it is. I don't think people understand how good of a football player Kool-Aid McKinstry is. And you've seen him do different things in the return game. You see him come up and play the run, obviously in coverage. He's big, long, but he is the compliments that you hear about him are just football instincts, the ability to be a football player all the time. And we have so many guys that are so specialized, like I only play boundary cover and press man, or I only rush the passer off the right side, or I can only play left guard. Like the versatility has gone away in a lot of instances and the versatility on the back end of that defense is going to be key because I do think that if you needed to move some guys around and you needed to take your, your other corner, I think it'll be Terry on Arnold. But if you needed to take Caleb Downs and go to corner, he could probably handle that or star. Could Malachi go over to star if you had to? Could Earl Little come back to safety? Yes, that versatility is going to be big for Kevin Steele to be able to move guys around, disguise different things. And keep in mind, his last two years at Auburn, like he got to the point where his corners and his safeties were like switching up on their own. And they were actually calling defenses out on their own. They were showing different things without him telling them to because they got so familiar and so comfortable and had such a good idea conceptually of what they were doing. And maybe maybe losing Pete Golding and Kevin Steele coming in and kind of slowing it down a little bit because that's the difference in my opinion between those two is, is Pete Golding can be the damn micro machines man when he's talking about football. Like it is a – it's not an encyclopedia. It is a set of encyclopedias. And it kind of comes out that way sometimes. Kevin Steele, he comes out, you know, his delivery is a little more laid back. So maybe just that portion of it can help some of the, not only the younger guys, but the guys that have been there understand all of it just a little bit better to where they're able to do a lot of different things. Here's the deal. There are not a ton of positions for concern on this team. Alabama might not have a Quinton Williams. How many teams do? I mean, we have had a massive drop-off of dominant interior defensive linemen in this league outside of Georgia the last couple of years. Like LSU's group is going to be really good. Mason Smith's going to be a dude. We'll talk about them the next few weeks. There, it's not that no teams have them. We've seen other teams have them at times. It's just this isn't 2017, 18, 19, where it feels like every there's no Jeffrey Simmons and Derek Browns and Javon Kinlaws on every single team. Point being, I think you can get away without being super dominant there. And we just saw a team that had a former walk-on win two national championships in a row. So it's great to talk about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and Joe Burrow and Cam Newton and all these other great quarterbacks, but it has been proven that you can do it without a number one overall pick. The depth is going to be key for Alabama in so many spots. Running back, receiver, tight end. I think the O-line depth is better. Keep in mind with Alabama a little bit the last few years at offensive line. When there has been a guy not playing well, we know there's been one specific position where hasn't been great, and that's been through multiple players. That guy's pretty much stayed in. Well, when you have the next guy ready to go, that ups the level of play, level of practice, level of preparation for the next guy. So just that alone on the offensive line I think is going to be a big help. And I do think this offense will be less reliant on the quarterback more ball distribution, whether it's handing it, throwing it, lining guys up in different places, utilizing some tempo, utilizing a little bit of quarterback run, and maybe if some of these weapons stay and you can do different things with them, 
it only makes the variety that much better. I just don't have the concerns that a ton of people do. And I know what the schedule is. They got five games in the first month of the season. Haven't lost in the first month of the season since 2017. Feels like it's going to be hard for that to happen again, even if it is Texas and the two Mississippi schools. But I just don't see that taking place. It's going to be a team that contends for the West. They get LSU at home. And it's going to be a team that contends for an SEC championship. It's just the reality. They got great coaches and a ton of great players. Are some young guys going to have to step up? Yes. Caleb Downs is going to be a regular player. It's going to be real. It's going to happen. Caden Proctor probably needs to be a regular player at some point. Maybe not right out of the gate, but either due to injury or just overcoming somebody else not living up to the standard, he's probably going to have to play, and a couple of D-linemen are going to have to step up. That's just it. But there are some situational players on both sides of the ball. I think we've gone through a few of those and shows you what those guys can do and what those guys are going to be. But I think they're going to have plenty to be able to make this a good season. Now, do they get over the hump? I think some of that comes quarterback play. I think some of that comes up to depth. Other guys at different places that we've talked about. But just these concerns that folks are talking about, I don't see near as many with Alabama as some of those other people do. So it's pretty cool to be able to watch that spring game and then kind of roll right into it with Alabama, with everything that we've seen and everything that we know, and then kind of preview them moving forward for what you're going to see once fall practice begins. We're also brought to you by Blue Delta Jeans. Don't forget to go to BlueDeltaJeans.com. Custom denim, the most comfortable jeans you'll ever wear in your entire life. You will not want to wear another pair of jeans after you own a pair of Blue Deltas. Tell Nick and the guys you heard about them right here on Cube Show. We'll be back next week. There's going to be more news because the portal is going to be done. Even that, that 24, 48-hour period where a couple of guys could get in, we'll have a better idea of what some of those things are going on. We'll have another team preview coming at you next Sunday because we got to get through our spring previews even though the spring games have completed. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe on YouTube. Please go follow us, Twitter, Instagram, at Cube Show. We're going to be back next Sunday with more college football content. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.